0: so grateful for dr quinn medicine man to join us on the show awesome he's super humble super intelligent super super um i was about to say super right way but we he he was all about doing things the right way he talked about not making money off the backs of people and doing things the right way and being figuratively and literally yeah and like i don't need to see you for six weeks yeah, I don't need to see you at all. This is what you need to do. Get, go from my clinic. <laughs> and set, set
1: forth, set, set forth, forth and go do great plans.
0: I don't need your money. <laughs> <laughs> you are fine. <laughs> You're fine. Right, right. Other people would be like three times a week for six weeks. I need you because I got kids. Reimbursement mm-hmm. <laughs> <You> is <it? laughs> <laughs> <Rain laughs> not that well. Uh-huh. <laughs> Like, Look, let's just face it. That Taylor Cruel joint is going to give me it's going to pay <laughs> yeah. my rent for the next six <laughs> like, weeks.
2: Yeah. Can you like if
0: people do that people, people see I I went to SFMA and, and the car was like straight up I could get this person better in three days but I'm going to need I'm going to need this money. I'm and see
1: and sometimes it's not our fault right? As mm-hmm. physical therapists or even as, especially as students it's just the name of the game it could be the facility and like the a cool thing that he said in the the brief is that he didn't yeah, want no strings on him, right? I mean, mm-hmm. kind of remind me of that, that, uh, <laughs> that, uh, that preview for Civil War, or well, not, not Civil War, but the what's the Iron Man movie? That Civil that? War, yeah. yeah, yeah, Okay, okay, yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. Um, so he pretty much he was talking about there's no strings on him, and I mean that was a pretty cool segment of the. I legit
0: thought you were going in no scrubs. I don't want no scrubs, <laughs> but yeah. that <laughs> yeah. I don't want
2: no scrubs. Gwendolyn,
0: no. He's got scrubs? a
2: creep. Yes,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> Keep it those all in the huh? those, those are, are those two good? different. No, I, I know. There's TLC and the other Destiny Child. Uh, no. Yeah.
2: Wait, what was the other one that we did? No Scrubs? No, that's both TLC. Creep. Both uh, TLC. No Scrubs? I
1: thought yeah, Scrubs. No, no scrubs. no scrubs is Destiny Childs, man. Oh, my God. No. Oh, you are no. so wrong. No, man. Oh, nah. Ah, yes. Okay.
0: Wait, no scrubs? I don't want no scrubs. Scrubs is a, is a guy that can't get no get from love from me. From I, me. It Showed in the passenger side of his best friend's ride, trying to. Destiny Child.
1: Destiny Wow. That,
0: that is the most TLC song. That is. Oh, that is, no. oh that is, no! Oh my like goodness! Don't go chasing
1: waterfalls. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> don't go um, chase um, waterfalls.
0: no! scrubs
1: <laughs> is Destiny Childs.
0: Yo. Oh. You listen, podcast listen to Oh, me. you're
1: right. Oh, oh my goodness. Oh, oh no! Oh no! Yes. Oh, no. I can't ah, think, right can think of a right better way
0: to lead into Dr. Quinn Medicine Man's podcast. I agree. Than this. So thank you for tuning in. First time in. on a
1: show being completely wrong.
0: That's all right. Yeah. That's why we're, you know, this show's all about fact-checking, and and we get it right. So, yes. <laughs> you know, we don't we don't just uh, throw you know, Destiny's <laughs> Child at it in any time. No. Right? You know, those other podcasts, they'll, they'll let you believe that Destiny's Child <laughs> <laughs> But not well, the research, yeah. This is a research based podcast. I agree. I only listen to research based RB as well. So, on that note, thank you for tuning in.
1: It's kind of one of those things,
0: it's like the duck you know, you see a duck in the water, right? The duck looks like it's cool, but the duck's freaking working hard under the water. Wow, working hard, working hard. That's how our place is. We look cool, but we're working hard. Part two. All right, let's go. Damn emails. Damn emails. What are we, What's I, on, oh
2: business? You want? I want to talk. I want to talk
0: to Dr. Quinn about business first. First, oh, up, God. I want to talk to him about. <laughs> are we a profession built on
3: fear mongering? Yes. Ooh, <laughs> quick. I think. Well, I mean, that's. It would. It would be hard to argue the other way. All we. Uh, you know everything the word dysfunction you know everything is everything is kind of like correct or incorrect good good oh posture God. bad posture yeah dysfunctional movements and no clear definitions on what any of that means yeah you know posture right. is a posture is an example a really good one to illustrate it there are lots of research actually showing that posture is so variable you know, first of all, posture, the, the way it seems to be defined is just a position. Posture is just a position. So let's just throw out the good and bad for a second here and just say your position relative to gravity and relative to maybe an external load, if, if that's the activity, or external forces. So how do you position yourself to gain leverage? That is posture. So the posture for, let's say, a, a weightlifter during, during a snatch, you know, overhead squat is going to be different than a competitive rower you know from a mm-hmm. performance perspective that doesn't make one worse or, or more problematic than the other and then there's lots of research showing that there is no optimal posture that we can look at so many people and, and just see so much variant that there's no way to define good and bad and also it's very unreliable so if you're looking at one person let's say you've got a subject in front of you and you're looking you know pro uh views from the front and back and looking at you know shoulder height and hip height and all these things and then you ask 10 different clinicians what they see you're going to get like five different opinions mm-hmm. at least and so it's like how it's it's not reliable and we don't even have a definition you know so for these things and it's the same with like dysfunctional movements somebody's squats with a, a, a knee you know their knees wiggle a little bit maybe they their knees track over the inside of the big toe and somebody else's knees track over the third toe, how can we how can we say that one is better than the other? It's so Um, I don't you know and i d I don't know I think that a lot of this stuff comes from over exaggerating certain research. So it's like let's say uh Stuart McGill's research with cadaverous spines you know you take pig spines and you bend them back and forth enough times and then the disc blows and so we can make a hypothesis that repeated flexion is a mechanism for disc herniation but that doesn't mean that we now need to hip hinge every time we tie our shoes Mm
2: -hmm. you know it doesn't mean that
3: spinal flexion is bad it just means that you know at a a certain dosages it can be a mechanism it's like the same with the knee valgus we know that on, you know landing on one leg with a certain amount of, of rotational force and and valgus of the knee can is a, mechan- a potential mechanism for acl rupture it doesn't mean that we now need to shove our knees out past our pinky toes in mm-hmm. order to be safe mm-hmm. um heels you know on the, in the squat you know squatting or letting your knees track forward is Uh, dangerous to the knees because it puts more force on them forces are not necessarily bad forces are what we adapt to so i think that you know saying being afraid of the forces has made people like oh vertical shins when you squat it's like an exaggeration so it seems like we can't find a middle ground on, on certain things yeah and if there's if there's some evidence to show that like this happened once and somebody got injured, then all of a sudden we need to go as far away from that as possible. Overcorrect, overcorrect. Yeah. over-correct. <laughs> that's and it, and and I think that's where it comes from. And physical therapy is a very new profession anyway, especially the way that it's that it is now. Uh, oh, yeah. it, it was you know it was something that started in. In like the 40s or, or the world war times as as for for soldiers you know as mm-hmm. um as care for them and then it turned into this professional all of a sudden and now we have doctorates and so it's it's been a rapid evolution and to kind of catch up you know to because we, st- we always anything always starts with a bunch of gurus you know who think their ideas are the best and then it kind of like comes full circle and we realize you know based on science and studies and and research that uh we we can kind of come full circle and stuff but that's a slow process and so we're still kind of we're so new to this whole deal it's it we're kind of in the middle of those two worlds Right, Uh, it's it's, it's so
0: interesting because tyler and i we did we went to sfma uh Last year, mm-hmm. and a great course. I think we we like we, we we loved it. Yeah, but you do get a sense of when you're going in those groups and people are running that top tier on you. That you just feel like shit. Yeah, you feel like yeah. oh god. Yeah, yeah. Like, I never knew how dysfunctional I was. Yeah. Oh my god, who can I can I live now? Yeah, you
3: know. Yeah, that's exactly right. I and I, yeah. I, people ask me you know, about, about courses like that. And I think that it, it gives you a lens, like it, it at least gets you looking at, at people when they move. And mm-hmm. so it, it can kind of, tra- you know, it just gives you like reps in that sense. Uh, but you're right. Like to, to categorize, to make these screens to make us to put a scoring system to the screen. Oh, you're, you're a two, we need to get you to a three before this can happen or to reduce the risk when there's not really any, a whole lot of evidence to substantiate that it does. It makes it a very um, fear-mongering, like a fear-based ed yeah. system, which, you know, there's, we're, we're, when, at what point do we get to train for performance? Mm-hmm. You know, it's, there's, there's there's a discrepancy b- between the two, and so there is an issue. Yeah. Yeah, I know that
1: um, a part of my program, we actually do some FMS, like, screening tools, a, a part, part of our class, and we just recently did it, and uh, I definitely was not above a fourteen, but I have no issues <laughs> whatsoever. I just can not get it to the tension position
3: for for whatever reason. Yeah, so, you know, my my screening yeah. like you can't get into the yeah, and yeah. and so the tests. The first of all, the functional movement screen has been around for over twenty years, right? And it has it has not changed. So obviously, there's going to be holes. Like we learn more, um, it, you know, there's going to be some downfalls to that, and so that's probably it. Was just seven tests that. Were kind of arbitrarily put together. Like these are, these are like basic, you know, different movement patterns that we think kind of extrapolate to performance. So let's just put it all together, and we put a scoring system to it. It was a trial and error thing. Right. So it's not supposed to be the best because it was the first kind of in that realm. <laughs> but I, but it, but again, it hasn't changed. And then the SFMA or I'm, you know, I don't want this to be a, you know, functional movement systems bashing. But I've done enough. <laughs> I've, 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 you know, I've researched the topic enough and, and I've performed, I, I think I performed my first FMS screen when I was 18 and we would do high schools and, and colleges. So I've, I've gone through literally thousands of screens and, and couple it with the literature, you just get a sense that some of the tests just don't play a part. Yeah. I think one of them being, uh, I need to dig into this a little deeper, but one of them being the rotary stability test. I think that if you threw that test out, it wouldn't change a whole lot of the data that's come forth. So my movement screenings, clinically are not based on a system or or a scoring system because I think that puts it puts the the pigeonhole on you, but it's more of do the joints go into the positions that the athlete plans to load and train with with no pain or apprehension? And if they do, you've passed my screen it, at that point. If you can move your body into the position, then you've got, then you've got the position, then we can layer on load and your training now becomes your screen. So every right. time they're, every time they're in the gym, they're, there's your movement screen. Yeah. Um, would, you know, if, if somebody comes to into my door and they say, I want to snatch and I want to compete in weightlifting and I look at their overhead squat and, it's not to the standard, they're not able to achieve the position that they want, you know, that maybe their squat depth is not where they want it to be. The the bar is not in a position that would be conducive to supporting load. Like it's okay, it's an empty PVC pipe. You can hold it, you know, with bent elbows six inches in front of your head, but if you had a loaded bar there, it would just fall to the ground, mm-hmm. you know, or fall on top of your head. So in that respect, yes, you know, we're gonna dive a little deeper. But to put a system or to put a score on it is tough because then you start just trying to improve the score, yeah. as opposed to making sure that that actually has some carryover to the movements and the training. There's some good evidence that you can coach somebody to a better FMS score. So Absolutely. what are we what are we actually screening? Are we screening their ability to follow directions? Are we actually screening their their foundational? You know movement potential
0: yeah and who uh, gives it's, a it's, fuck it's about a tough, better oh, FMS score that you know, I, doesn't translate yeah, I
3: don't yeah and, and and so it does it was never meant to translate to performance that I, I think I think that some of that goes on to the authors because there are some some blogs and some articles from like 97 where they're excited because it's new, and they're like, "This is going to improve your performance," but they back they back away on that real quick. And the, a screen just inherently, by definition, is not a performance predictor. So it was it was never should have been looked at as a way to predict somebody's performance. The the whole thing was, let me try to predict injury rates, mm-hmm. or you know maybe have some type of criteria. So if you have this cutoff score, uh, then you're at more increased risk. And that that score has been 14, but there there's not a whole lot of research to substantiate it you know there's a study here a study there showing that 14 is a nice cutoff for firefighters or uh um, military but th- that doesn't mean that it is the right score for the general population or a CrossFitter or a weightlifter or a football player or this and that you know and actually maybe i think football may be in that as well but there need just needs to be more validation and there at this point in time there's not and that's not a knock on the FMS, that's a knock on just movement screenings in general. It's yeah. just very difficult to use a standardized screening tool to predict anything. Yeah, It's hard to use standardized anything to predict something. Oh, yeah, <laughs> it, yeah, it is. It, especially when everybody has a different opinion. Yeah, That's one reason why they would support the FMS. It's like, well, we're making it objective. Mm-hmm. But sometimes the objectivity is, is arbitrary. Sometimes the, it just doesn't mean anything. Do, do
1: you think there's a, a little too much of that in physical therapy, strength and conditioning world, that we're trying to uh, put every athlete into the same bubble or trying to be so scientific with it that we sort of kind of lose the the, the crux of it all? I think, you know, some somewhat of like a CPR or something like that, where they come up with these great CPRs and then, yeah. you know,
3: 10, 10 years later, we're like, uh, if like you're still using CPRs, it was like, ah, why? Yeah, it's, right. it's a good question. You know, I, I do. I do think that. And I don't have a good answer mm-hmm. as to how to uh, how to rectify it. And I, I think what we've been trying to do with clinical athlete, and we're actually um, some of the projects that we're going to lay out is is more of teaching guidelines, teaching principles, mm-hmm. and being able to recognize those things over time. So. We talked about tendon adaptation. You know, understanding the the principles of, of tendon turnover and anatomy, and being able to dose a, a program or plan a program based on that. Understanding the differences between acute and chronic injuries. You know how that's going to change your your rehab protocol or your strength conditioning protocol. Uh, I do think that a more a perhaps a more sport specific screening tool would would be a bit better, but. It can't be a one tier and done deal because unloaded movement screenings that are not under fatigue, that are in safe environments, just won't show you as much. Somebody's overhead squat, you know, it could look fantastic with a PVC pipe and just, you know, beautiful. And then they just crumble with an empty bar. Yeah. So, and and it could go the other way too. There are athletes who look like complete dog shit with an empty PVC pipe, but if you put a little weight in their hand, their their movement actually appears to improve. Same like, thing. Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm <laughs> one of those athletes too, and so it's like there's a couple questions there. If you never actually put, if you only looked at their overhead squat and deemed them dysfunctional, and, and they never got a chance to show you that they could actually move, you know, you just stayed at this low level corrective approach for, for far too long, and now they're not getting a training effect. Uh, well, and or you're now creating this nocebo effect. Where you're telling them all the things that are wrong with them, when it may just not be the case. But you, nah. you're now you're you're planting the seed, uh, and that's it's the dangerous spot to be in. That's the like logical aspect. Yeah, yeah. So there's got to be it's got to be a, a two tier thing. Like, can the joints get into the positions? Yes, I okay. say that all the time. I can see that. Like, it would be it would be nice if you laid on the table and your shoulders and hips moved freely with no pain or apprehension. Yes, I would uh, most definitely. Uh, prefer that then you know going to body weight movements yes I would prefer you to be able to do a, a bodyweight squat or a you know a very light press with no pain or apprehension so that's like tier you know tier one just just body weight unloaded non-stressful uh, patterns and then you layer that on to more specificity maybe it's if it's a sport based on metabolic conditioning we've got to have some type of tier for that uh, or you know if it's load then we've got to have, we've got to start to layer on load and speed. But then it's like, why, why is that, why does that have to be a screen? Why can that just be the training? And that's, again, my point is like every day in the gym is your, is your screening tool for the coach or the clinician. Right. Um, if I wanted to package it and sell it, then I would have to do it. The way You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah. set it up tier wise, but at the end of the day, at the end of the day, can you move? Can you move through the positions with no pain or apprehension? If you can, then it's just about appropriately dosing the program. Mm-hmm. All right. Hell yeah!
0: And let me just say, Dimir, we are going to have to kick you off the podcast because you couldn't get above a fourteen on the F. Ah. <laughs> so, you
3: wait. know, uh, I was at a I was at a seminar, and uh, I think it was I can't, I can't remember who told me. I think it was Charlie Weingroff, I think, was, was who said it. He said that LeBron James scored like an eight. Yeah, yeah, on the FMS. But like, duh. I mean, look at him, like trying to overhead squat. Yeah, you yeah. know, and he. But he's been one of the most resilient uh, oh. NBA players I, I can yeah. remember. I mean, the guy oh. has hardly been hurt. A lot right. of games too. He's tons of games. Of, yeah, tons of games at the highest level. Yeah. So again, a lot of minutes. A lot right. Of minutes on the court.
1: He right. He already has more minutes than Michael Jordan mm-hmm. in his entire career.
3: Yeah. Really? Amazing. God. So yeah. And then, and then you, you also, it's the it's uh, conversation of you can score a 14 in a myriad of ways. You know, yeah. it, can be, it can be four zeros on that thing or, or whatever. It's, it's, so it's like, what matters? Mm. And that's, that's just what we don't know. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm, I'm totally cool with somebody doing a screen. It's fast. It's, you know, it gives you an objective. It gives you a look. I don't care about the numbers. It just gives you an idea of what you're working with. Somebody walks in your door. You don't know what you're working with. You have no idea. So if they can just, if they can drop into an effortless squat, at least you have some idea of what you're working with. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So I'm all about getting that first glimpse. I just don't know about putting a score to it. And then sharing that with the athlete as something that needs to be, that needs to be improved upon. In order to protect them gotcha. i think i think mm-hmm. that's this that's the slope that's very very slippery yeah uh, it's a combination of things right totally oh yeah. so there's so many factors oh Isn't yeah
1: great takeaway point yeah trust me we want everything in pt school to be like about how many
3: times have we heard it depends <laughs> and that depends, should be the an- yeah. you know what that should mm-hmm. be the answer and it's it depends but you can always put guidelines and principles to it. absolutely Yeah. you know it depends if it's it's chronic. It depends if it's, if it's chronic or acute, it depends on uh, their training experience, you know, training age, the sports, the goals, all of these things. But if you have these principles to fall back on, then it, then you can stick those into any scenario. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just takes a bit of thinking. And that, that, I think that's what school should teach you. And I think it, I think it does to an extent is, is how to think your way through scenarios in, instead of just trying to put, a box around it. Mm. <laughs> yes. CPR is, you know, that's a, it's an interesting conversation, the clinical prediction rules, because there is, we, uh, we were taught them in school and I'm not far from school. I don't know if you guys know, but I'm a baby too. I've only been out for four years. So um, not even, so I, you know, anything that you're learning in school, I probably got the exact same thing. Right. I think the clinical prediction rules were a bit more utilized because they've just been, They've not been as validated in every population as we thought that they would be, and it's this—it's the same type of, it, it's the same type of conversation. You know, one of with the with the low back CPR is like greater than uh, thirty-five degrees of internal rotation. You know, mm-hmm. or, or like a hypomobile segment first of all so there's like there's things within the cprs that are not even that are that have terrible uh validity <laughs> right, like right. palpation of a, of a palpation of segments like we're terrible at that oh so yeah you're gonna mm-hmm. get everybody's gonna tell you oh this one feels hypermobile no well, i think it's hypermobile no well i have 10 years of experience <laughs> you know they're like if there's no and they've, they've shown that like the 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 just terrible reliability of palpation and so first of all the CPRs are, are sometimes, some of them are made up of segments that are just not even, they not even a thing. Right. Uh, so how can that, but I, but I think it's the right direction. I think that we need to have some type of, cause humans are special to an extent, but you know, we're all pretty much the same. Uh, so I, I think having some direction is a good idea. I think it's a step in the right direction. It, it's just, we have to keep fine tuning it. And I think what we're gonna find is there's gonna be a few things that we can hang our hats on, but then it's just more going to be about principles, right? And,
1: yeah, uh, yeah. like to call management almost.
3: Yeah, like the management yeah. of it. Like, stop trying
1: to like just go in and just throw everything onto the wall, but just manage all the way through those systems. And you know, there's a screening system, then there's a clearing system, then there's a you
3: know management system almost. So yeah, understand. And, and I think that's I think that's good. -hmm. And I think I think it's good, and I just I hope that we can get away from because I don't think that's black and white. I think that I think that that's a big bucket. You know, you have you have these big buckets, and then the bucket gets smaller and smaller and smaller, and then we can hypothesize fewer things with better accuracy. But to just take a look at somebody and just make this blanket statement of you have bad posture or you have dysfunctional movement, just right from the jump it's just there's no legs to stand on
0: yeah
3: from that and i i did that for a long long time um and i look back on it and i just it was it made a lot of sense it makes a lot of sense now why i was wasting a lot of time and you know things weren't working because i wasn't actually doing anything like it was just like oh correct quadruped t-spine rotation bird dogs and you know, 90, 90 breathing, do that for a month. Gosh, why isn't he getting better? You know, why isn't he, it's just not, you know, just things that don't actually do anything or like should be meant to progress out of away from as soon as possible, or just as teaching tools for positioning, you know, kind of like proprioceptive type deal, but not shouldn't are not meant to be the fix of anything. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's almost like
0: trying to, do is studying and putting all the work you can in to do as best you can on a standardized test versus actually getting out there and working with people. Yeah. um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah.
3: That's, I guess that's the downfall of school in general, right? You're, you're worried, you're worried so much about, the, you know, just passing you got to pass the damn tests like it, there's no yeah. like we can say oh you should be reading the research and you should be studying on your own you should shadow these coaches but none of that means anything if you fail out so That's very true. You got to do <laughs> thank you gotta, you. <laughs> Yeah, you got to do what you got to do to pass the test and that's that's just the downfall of the school is like worrying about the grade more than the actual yeah. learning of the material. Uh, I don't know how to fix that. I I think like you said the the learning the actual learning probably occurs Right after right after school, when you when you start getting your uh you know your face into some cases, and you start learning that way, and school is really just the catalyst to allow you to do that. You know, the letters are just gives you the legal right to to learn, I guess. <laughs> yeah. um, but I I do think again, it's I think that could give us a maybe a faster road to uh, to some type of specialization, it's yeah. to some extent. That'd be awesome. You know, yeah.
2: You let's do it, Jared. You want to talk business want, with him? You want to talk business? They come on, oh let's. let's break. You, you hit him up. No, like the only thing I can think of with his business with his, as if he wasn't here, <laughs> when, <clears throat> is I, I. I think it was the Doc and Jack that you were talking about. Where how. You kind of set it up to where you were putting some online content out there by the way big props on on your online stuff that stuff is really doing a, a great thing for oh, thanks man and and everything um but i never heard that like oh you put a lot out there online so you can have some free time to really dedicate to your clients and just in general yeah. like i don't know
3: business in general and that that mindset Okay. So I'm a terrible business person. Like, <laughs> like, no, I'm serious. Like the worst. So, uh, but I know that, so I can still talk about it. You know, I, I know it's like when you know, you're, you know, you're crazy or you actually crazy. So I'm terrible, but I know where I'm terrible at. And so we can still have the conversation, but yes, I just knew, I knew at a school that took probably to a fault that I don't like to be in systems where mm. I'm being told like my, my skill set or my opportunity with, with patients was going to be limited. So let's say a, a clinic where it's three or four patients at a time, you know, I'm seeing a person for 15 minutes and they go work with the aide and I don't get to see him again. You know, you, you all have been through those oh, yeah. scenarios. It's kind of the way the system is now. So I was like, okay, well, well that's what I don't want. Uh, that doesn't mean that I shouldn't have just put my head down and done it, you know, to, to just get out there. But I was like, I would, I would rather, be doing my own thing so that I can spend as much time with the person as possible. So that's why I decided to go this kind of out of network uh, scenario, you know, where you just have, I can see you for as long as I want. I don't have to worry about insurance, reimbursing or not reimbursing. You pay me for the service because you deem it valuable. Now that sounds great, but it's very difficult mm-hmm. because you will now have to become a salesman in a sense and the balance becomes, how do I get people in the door without over-medicalizing unnecessarily? So that's why and that's why I say I'm the worst businessman possible, because I send my people out the door all the time. Like, why are you here? You don't need me. Like, I'll send, you know, you, you're hurt because of, of this, this, and this. Like, I'll talk to your coach, and don't do these things for a little bit. Here's a, a couple exercises. I'll talk to coach, and you're good. You know, whereas what I should do is... Look, you know, you need these hands, yeah, for yeah, for six weeks. <laughs> yeah. you, know, you need me three times a week for the next yeah. six weeks. Cash, you know, yeah. that would be awesome. I would make pay so me. much money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you've got um, heart of gold, <laughs> and so that's why, and then, so that's why I d- we have clinical athlete, and so that's why I teach courses and w- uh, these other things, so that I don't feel like I have to get people in the door to keep the lights on. Yeah, now that is that does not. That's not me speaking negatively in any means to any other clinic. Like I, I don't, I also don't have any children. You know, I don't have a fan. like I don't need to have a life. So <laughs> my situation is, makes sense. is not makes the same. Sense. It's, it's, it's totally, this is just me. It, it's totally on you, how what you need to do and what you need for you and your family. I just know that the, not just the PT profession, but, you know the healthcare system in general over medicalizes we over treat we over schedule and we don't put the the education the onus on the patient a lot of times we put it on ourselves to either pad the wallet or pad the ego maybe even subconsciously because that's what school told us to do so i i just knew i knew the model the only thing that i knew is is the model that i wanted and uh The whole business aspect of things, I'm still just every day learning that. I mean, that's going to be till the day I die, probably. Just getting, I, I think the online stuff has helped tremendously because when you put out a lot of content at this point, the internet is out of sight, out of mind very quickly. So you could, you know, you could spend three months on this awesome blog that has like 50 references and it's just this masterpiece and you put it out and it gets, you know, it's like 12 shares on Facebook and maybe a hundred likes. That's pretty cool. And then three days later, everybody's forgotten about it. And you know, yeah. you're back to square one. Yeah. So, so consistency with, with the marketing and the content is the key. Putting something out on, you know, on a semi daily basis is, is the key. Um, word of mouth at this point is probably my biggest driver in the door other than just Juggernaut is a catalyst for me. They really help, obviously. Juggernaut Training Systems, you know, allowing me to be on their YouTube videos and allowing me to write for them and teach at their seminars has been invaluable. So that's mm-hmm. just lucky. Like, that's just making connections where that comes from. Uh, but it, it's the same conversation with the gym. Like, take care of the people that you have because they will tell their friends. They have friends and family. They will They will come back to you. I don't feel bad when I send somebody out the door because I know they're going to get hurt again. That's just the nature of the training. Mm-hmm. I, my population is so niche, They train so hard that I it's, it was a hip today. It's in six months from now it's going to be your shoulder or something like that. That's just the nature of the game. So they appreciate the honesty and I know that I'm going to see them again. You know, it's, 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 it's conversation of like having somebody, having a client for life Yeah, could mean a lot of things. It could mean that, I've told you that you need to come see me once a month for the rest of your life to you know to maintain or to to protect you from injury or it's you trust me when you need me i'll be the person that you call i've i've worked you know so i've set it up to where it's that it's the latter scenario which is not as lucrative it's just not period yeah but i enjoy it more and it's the right way yeah no it's it's definitely the right way I, i think it i think it's a less of a I think it's less of a burden on the system, the less, the less, they shouldn't have to see me, you know, the, the less Mm. the patients have to see us the the better as far as just the, you know, the healthcare system as a whole, getting, being able to monetize that and to use this as a way to have a career and support your family. You know, it's just another conversation. Mm. Um, But I think, you know, the, the courses are big too. You know, you guys doing the way I started with that stuff, you know, is, is you can just go to a, another gym or, um, Hey, can I do on a Saturday? Can we do like a little one hour squat workshop for your members? Squat mobility workshop, you know, every squat, if you just, if you title anything squat mobility, you're, you're, you're guaranteed to have people come take notes. Uh, on this? Absolutely. So, yeah. and it could be free. Like who cares if you make money in the beginning? Like you're just trying to build a, a awareness yeah. and you're trying to make connections and build relationships. So if you're, you know, you're a new, Clinician, it's like, yeah, let me do a squat workshop for an hour, and you run up through some stuff. And I guarantee you have two or three people come up to you after the workshop and say, oh, you know what, my this has been bugging me, so this is really good. Can I? And then you can. That's that's a lead. Mm-hmm. You know, you can come see them, or you get an email list. You're like, you come to the squat workshop. Uh, here's a sign up, you know, registration list. You have to put your email there, so you're building connections and and, and uh, leads there. And then we run them through the fms boom you can listen or yeah that that hour on a saturday could be movement screenings as long as you listen that's okay it's totally fine because as long as it's like you run them through the fms you say okay you know this is what i saw here's one thing to think about during your overhead squat and here's a little drill that you can do as a warm-up that's nothing wrong with that oh yeah and and but you've now built a relationship with that person you know, and, yeah. and you give your card to everyone that day or, or, you know, all there's so many easy things like that to do that people are very receptive towards. And then again, if they need you, they'll call you because you've built that rapport. Right. And
0: the intentions are good too. It's not. Yeah,
3: I think so. Yeah. We all know that we, we need to make money. You know, there's no, it's no secret, but like, you, yeah, the intentions are good. So if you're not, it's obvious like they'll let it let it be they they are the ones seeking your service you're not pushing your service onto them because our service is is i guess a necessity to a point mm-hmm. but we should have been if we wanted to see the same people every single day we should have been coaches we should just be strength conditioning coaches or, or <laughs> you know somebody else like from a from a clinical standpoint it doesn't make sense that somebody would need us continuously right yeah i think of like a dentist like yeah it could
2: be
1: something like that like a management almost but not necessarily like you come in every day all day you need me for this many times a week well
3: you know that in the difference between because that's an interesting it's an interesting comparison i think the difference between the dentist and the pt is that there is data that if you go to a dentist every six months or you have this kind of maintenance service there are positive outcomes Right. that there is not as much data to say that for a physical therapist, mm. uh, you know, because I think also our care is so different. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
3: Going, absolutely. going to 10 PTs will probably yield 10 different plans. Yeah. Right. So it just goes back to, you know, being so young as a profession and still trying to kind of, everybody says the evidence is always behind us. I think it's the opposite. I think it's us trying to catch up to the science. Um, Cause you know, that's what they said about, Blue kinesio tape having a cooling effect ten years ago, and <laughs> and red kinesio tape having a heating effect. You know, come that on, that was a thing. Like it was a thing. Whoa, that was a thing. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I would have been ready for that. So you know, and, and when I was in PT school, it was kinesio. You know, if you pull from uh, origin to insertion, you're you're lengthening the muscle. If you pull from oh, if you pull from insertion to origin, you're shortening the muscle. Um, you know, thank goodness for science.
2: Yeah. we
3: were way behind. Like we were thought we were ahead, but we were so far behind. So yeah, it's just us catching up. And I, and I think that, uh, it does become that thing. Like, I'll see you. you know, I'm here if you need me. That's what I always say. I, I try to say, you got a guy now, like, I, you know, after that discharge, it's like, you got a guy now, if you need me for anything like this, you know, don't hesitate to call. But, um, if you don't, it, you know, I'll see you around. And sure enough, see you when I see you. At, at some point they, they want my services again because something happens. Uh, there's just no telling how long that's going to be. And that's that's what makes it kind of slow in the beginning. But then you start getting this turnover. You know what I mean? Like a year, or two, three years in, people start it starts kind of coming full circle. Mm-hmm. So you've you've had enough patience in the past that it all is revolving. You know, while you're obviously getting new people in the door as well, but it just goes back to the concept of take care of your take care of your peeps and, and they'll take care of you.
0: Yeah. Hmm.
3: And this episode is sponsored by blue K tape. So. <laughs> your muscles warm, you know, rock. So like rock tape that makes the best uh, thumb tape for my hook grip. Yeah. <laughs> nice. It doesn't, the only bad thing is like the, the adhesive kind of sticks to my fingernails, which is just annoying more than <laughs> anything else, but oh, I hate It's stretchy. So I don't like athletic tape on my thumbs because it doesn't let that's you move stretch. my joint. Yeah, yeah. So like, I use rock tape every day. <laughs> I literally use rock tape every single day. That's just the, why those that's thumbs up. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Man, that all right, is, that's bro. perfect. Ra- rapid fire. I got two questions for you. Okay. Uh, is ankle mobility really the uh, depth killer of a squat? And do you front? Do you believe in front squats or do you believe in only heavy back squats? Oh
3: no, we front squat all the time, man. Dude. Oh, yeah, uh, it depends on who you are. so so nothing is rapid fire with me. so everything has everything has a tenth pronged answer, but it on
1: four minutes.
3: <laughs> okay, well, okay, well, So it depends on who you are. If you're a weightlifter, you have to do the clean jerk. That's your competitive movement. so a front squat would probably behoove you to perform for, to strengthen the posture. If you're a pitcher, and the front squat hurts your wrists and your elbows, I'm probably not doing the front squat in the traditional front rack. Maybe we're gonna use straps or do cross you know, cross the arms, but I think a front squat is a great movement to just teach like trunk strength and control. Mm-hmm. That front load is, is powerful, man. And you have to go lighter, so it's actually a way to deload the squat as well. So if you still want a training effect, you've been hammering the back squats, you feel a little beat up, uh, switch to a front squat. You'll still get some good training in, but at a lighter load. So definitely we front squat, uh, ankle mobility can be a, a factor in, in the squat. They've shown that if you block somebody's ankle from, you know, being able to translate forward in the squat, it changes the mechanics. You know, your ass shoots back, it becomes more of a hinge, yeah. which would not be conducive. You know, if you're doing thrusters or a front squat or just want to be upright, you know, in a squatting position. So yes, having ankles that translate forward is helpful it's certainly helpful. It's not the GOAT, everybody wants to blame them, so you gotta test them. You know, if you're in that half kneeling position, knee to wall, if you've got three to four inches on both sides, it's probably not your, your single most limiting factor.
2: Mm-hmm. We,
3: we like to do uh, loaded split squats with an ankle focus. So they're doing a split squat, but they're, they're driving their ankles forward as far as they can throughout the movement. Mm. So that they're getting, but it's easier to do that than in, a, in a bilateral squat because you've got leverage from the back leg to push yourself forward. So we do that for ankle mobility and to just teach somebody how to use their ankles when they squat. Mm. Uh, so yeah, it, it can certainly be a factor, but it's, it's more rare that it's the single limiting uh, factor right. for somebody to, to attain depth It's a, it's a factor. Gotcha.
1: Gotcha, gotcha. All right, two two quick uh, questions before we get off. All right. Um, usually we ask what what is your favorite duck. I know a lot of people they bumble around this for a little bit, uh, but we actually don't have time for it. So I'm going to ask you, uh, would uh, you you rather hunt a duck
3: or eat a duck? Oh no! Uh, I would. Um, so I guess mallard. A mallard, okay. a mallard is the only duck that I know of, and they're beautiful. So I like it. the mallard's are cool. Got it. Uh, I would rather so hunting. I'm a fish. I'm a fisherman uh, uh, to the core. Mm-hmm. I enjoy hunting. I enjoy shooting guns. I would rather shoot, play pigeons with my boys, and go fishing. And I'd rather eat the duck. Okay, cool, nice. good, 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 That's the same time we had mallard on.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 is, yeah. That, is that like on a duck
3: real? Oh um, yeah, green green yeah. head.
1: Oh, yeah. Right. Right. Um, we, we should know. Um, so if anyone wanted to find
3: you or reach out to you, how do they get in contact with you? So my I guess the cool thing about having a weird name is that I'm usually the only one on social media. So if you just put my search, my name, Quinn Hennick, in either Instagram, Facebook, t- Twitter, you'll find me. Uh, so you can you can message me on social media Clinicalathlete.com uh, is where my my clinician profile pages. And that's that's our directory. That's a really nice, nice way to find me. Real easy and then the clinical athletes social media as well so uh, and then my YouTube and clinical athletes YouTube and, and juggernauts YouTube so all of those things have private messaging features that uh, I get I, I can't guarantee that I'll message you in the time manner that or the time frame that you want and I also can't guarantee that the answer will be what you want it to be but I, I try to get to all of those questions and then if okay. it's if it's something that you know needs further deals or it's it's like you're looking for services or something like that, then I'll just shoot I'll redirect you to my email. Okay. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, good. Yeah, social media is man.